0: Ever have a hard time letting God be king? (coughs) And me too. All right, so who, why, what? Who, why, what? Those are the three questions we're gonna ask today. But as we do that, I want you first to think of three other questions. When you're studying the Bible, so it's so difficult sometimes. I mean, how many of you like I can just start reading the Bible? And while you're reading the Bible, can think about what's the next meal. And we're going to go later, and I wonder who's going to win today. Of course, the saints are going to win, not my Vikings, because they're Vikings. Okay, so that kind of stuff's going to happen. So you might be thinking about all those other things instead of thinking about the Word. But there's three questions that I've given you before that I want you to keep working on so you really can grasp what the Bible says. And those three questions are, know what, so what, now what? And let's say those together, okay? So it's, know what... So what? Now what? And we're going to do those things with these questions in our gospel lesson for today. What do we know as we spend time in the Word? Well, we know that the families, that they came to, Jer- to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. That's a big deal. Those are like three major festivals that all the families were to come to Jerusalem to celebrate. Okay? But out of all three of them, Passover is one you just can't miss. Now just... To remind you again, the Passover celebration is when the people were enslaved in Egypt and then God performed those ten plagues. And the last one was the killing of the firstborn son, both of people and of even the cattle, the animals. Okay? And so that one, but when the angel of death was passing over, if they had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, okay, that the angel would pass over and they wouldn't die. A great reminder of their merciful God who hates sin and wrongdoing but passed over because of the blood. The blood of the Lamb. Okay, So that happens. And while they go there, they go with Jesus. He's 12. He's about ready to grow into becoming a man. And so different responsibilities as he heads into being 13. So he's there. and, And as he's there, again, the people, when they travel, they would travel in big caravans. Okay, and so they would travel in, they would do their obligatory two days, and if they want to stay longer, they could, but then they would do those two days, and they would leave again, and as they're leaving, okay, the women would be in one spot, the men would be in another spot, and so each one thought Jesus was with the other, okay, and so they just, like, he's somewhere amongst the, the group, everything's fine, okay, and then of course when they get a day out, they're like, uh, where's Jesus, Uh-oh. nowhere to be found, okay, so then they go back. Now, please don't think that they spent three days scouring Jerusalem and he was hiding out somewhere. Okay? Like, I don't want him to find me. Okay? That's not what's going on. Okay? So they went a whole day's journey. So then they went a day going back. So that's first day, second day, when they were back in. Third day, they found him in the temple. Okay? But when Jesus says, so Mary says, your father and I have been looking for you. And Jesus says, I need to be, why were you searching for me? I need to be in my father's house. Jesus gets who he is. Even at 12 years of age, he's aware of who his father is. So please understand that it's so awesome for us to recognize that Jesus is at the same time God and man. He's not like a part God and a part man. He's fully God and he's fully man there in the incarnation. And Jesus is aware of who he is. He knows who he is and he knows why he's there. Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? I need to be in the temple. I need to be learning. I need to be doing these different things that God, my father, has directed me to do. And then the what. What's going on? They question why did you do what you did? Why Why did you not come with us? Why did you stay here? Don't you see the distress we're under? And when Jesus shared with them, it says in the next verse, they still didn't understand. They still didn't understand. Who, why, what. Okay, so that helps us with the first little part. Okay, Know what? We know that Jesus knows who he is, Son of God. Now we're going to go to the so what. What does it mean that Jesus is Son of God? What does it mean that he's aware? Well, it means that he's fully aware that he's come. You know how I've done those two circles with you before? We have the circle of responsibility and the circle of concern. Do you remember that at all? Say no if you didn't. No. All right. <laughs> Something brand new for you. Yay. And if you were here the other time and you just forgot... That's normal. I forget, too. I don't remember one week to the next. Okay? So inner circle is responsibility. This is what's my job to do. Right? And the outer circle is concern. So I am concerned for John and his health and what's going on for John. He looks like he's fine right now. But I have concern for John. I'm not responsible for John and what he does and what he eats and how he sleeps and all that kind of stuff. That's not my responsibility. Okay? But it is my concern. Jesus knows who He is as Son of God, and so who He is ties into why He came. He came to do what we are unable to do. Roberto, could you put that Romans passage up? Would you read Romans 8, verse 3 with me? For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin... He condemns sin in the flesh. We'll get on to verse 4 in just a minute. I want you to see that. I want to spend just a little bit of time here today. For God has done what the law could, what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Why did Jesus come? He came to do what you and I couldn't do. So the question is there's a little a contemporary song out that asks the question why are you trying to earn grace? wonder how much of the time we spend in our lives trying to be obedient enough for God to love us. I noticed that in my own life, just this, you know, New Year starts, you're like, okay, I'm going kind to of start some new things. I'm going to try a new path. And so I started, I got working, and I, I started reading a lot of things, and like, these are on my checklist. How many of you have those to-do checklists? One, two, three. Three, four, okay, so there's a few more hands popping up, okay. So you had that to-do list, and how do you feel about yourself when you don't get them all done? Kind of lousy. Kind of lousy, not very good, okay. Not good. Do you ever put too many things on the list? And you still feel lousy when you don't get them all done? Is on the list this one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Sometimes we feel really good about ourselves when we did the to-do list. And the to-do list probably has to do with the like um, second table of the law. But it doesn't have anything to do with the first table of the law. Do we ever feel satisfied in life when we've done some nice things for our neighbors and we got all of our chores done and we did some really good things, but we didn't think about Jesus at all that day? Is that ever possible? Can you go a whole day without thinking about Jesus? You can? Yeah. I think we can, can't we? We can go a whole day without making a big deal about Jesus. In those moments, then, our obedience isn't what God's called us to do. Because the first thing he says is, Thou shalt have no other gods. Love me, worship me. It's all about me, Jesus says. God did, by sending his own son, What we could never do, we can buy the flesh. Do we fully grasp just how weak we are? If Christopher would come up front and we would arm wrestle, I could learn just how weak I am. Are we aware of how great our need is? And when Jesus came, he obeyed his parents by going back with them. He obeyed his father by doing everything the father gave him to do for us and our salvation. So when Jesus hung on the cross, he could say those wonderful words, It is finished. Everything that needed to be done for us and our salvation was accomplished by him. And so we rejoice in our Savior, our obedient Savior, Jesus. That's why I always like to throw that little line in there that kind of trips you up once in a while. We're saved by works. Just not our works. Okay? Because we're saved by the perfect life of Jesus. If Jesus didn't come to live that perfect life in our place, we'd be in trouble. Go to the next verse. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But if you look at that right there, the righteous requirement of the law had to be fulfilled. Our God is holy. Our God is righteous. We needed to do what was right, and we couldn't. So God sent His Son to do. And we rejoice in that. That's what Jesus is doing. Even as a little kid, He's always doing what's right for us. That's why He came. Now the next one is, um, what? Well, when Jesus was living on earth and he had his disciples and he was doing his ministry, it says in Luke chapter 9, these words. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you, Jesus says. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, but they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. That's Luke chapter 9. Then we get to Luke chapter 18. And he says this, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. Sorry. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. Who? Jesus Son of God, why come to do perfectly what we could never possibly do? What? I don't get what you're doing. What's happening here? I don't, I don't get it. So we know that, so what? He's done what we, what we need him to do, even though we don't always fully understand it. You know what that does for us? You haven't caught quite on yet. What that does for us is it causes the corners of our mouths To go up. Have you noticed that when the heavy burden of living a life good enough for God goes away, that we're set free? I usually talk with people about private confession one-on-one. And say, have you ever done private confession? Now, if it's not forced on you, but it's just offered to you, private confession is an awesome gift. Do you ever go around where you've asked for forgiveness and you still don't feel forgiven? Have you ever asked God for forgiveness, but you're like, I still don't feel forgiven? Again, this is audience participation time. (laughs) Ever happen? Yes. Yes, it happens, right? And in those moments, what we can do is we can go talk to another person. You can talk to your pastor. You can talk to other people. And you can confess that sin. And sometimes when that sin is brought out into the open, you share, this is what I did. This is what I said. And it's been weighing on me that when the person shares Con- forgiveness, it's kind of like the weight is removed from you. I used to, um, I grew up on a farm, we'd have to carry around 50 pounds of feed and seed, all that kind of stuff, okay? Now, I'm a pretty scrawny guy, okay? If Bob over here is carrying 50 pounds, it's like, no big deal, okay? <laughs> For me, I'm like, this is really heavy, okay? <laughs> Confession dumps that bag off my shoulders. So I can straighten up again and go. When the weight of God's demands that you live a perfect life. Hear that again. When the weight of God's demands that you live a perfect life is taken off your shoulders. Isn't it awesome? You're free. So what about Jesus? So it means I'm free. I'm joyful. I'm alive. I have new life in Christ. And you do too in this new year. No what, so what? Now what? Well, who when I think about who Jesus is, the question I need to ask myself is will I find my identity in Jesus or not? Will I live with great joy in Jesus or not? Do you know what Jesus says? He says in his word, the work of God is this. Do you know how it goes? Oh, I got a Bible verse you don't know yet. That's so cool. First one ever. Excellent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To trust in the one he has sent. Because if you and I are in Christ, there's therefore now no condemnation. What's the work? What's the obedience that God's calling you to? Receive the gift. Live joyful and free. Anybody got a problem with doing that? Yeah, Pastor, I'm going to live miserable all the rest of my life until I die. That's my hope. You all laugh at that, but I wonder how many of you actually live that. Because there are moments in my day when I choose to live that. Because I don't think I'm worthy of God's mercy and love and forgiveness. Because by golly, Jesus did his part. Now I'm going to do mine. And I forget that Jesus did all of it and says, now receive it. You don't have a problem with that, do you? Nobody here has a hard time being needy and being receivers, do we? Thanks for laughing. i got a whole congregation that I just love, but you all have a hard time, like I do, being receivers. Right? I have a whole congregation of people that will give their shirt off their back, that will do anything for anybody but to receive. Man. You know, it's hard for Kurt and I to stand up here and get those gifts from you. Right? Yeah. It means I have to humble myself to receive the gift. Will we humble ourselves to receive the gift of Jesus' perfect obedience for us today? Yes. Now what? We live in that, right? And then we see our purpose. What's our purpose? To make much of the one who was obedient for us. right? What do we do now? Luther has some sort of a quote that goes something like this: "Why when? we were baptized, why didn't God just kill us right then and take us to heaven? What's our purpose now? We live as the new creations. we are made in Christ, and we figure out who's my neighbor in need and how can I love him? And that's a perfect response for what God has done for us. Recognizing what's our responsibility and what's our concern. I'm responsible to love you, I'm responsible to do for you, to bear your burdens with you, to walk with you, but I'm not responsible to live your life for you. If you choose to go the wrong way, I'm not responsible for that. I'm responsible to say, that's the wrong way. You shouldn't go there. But I can't live your life for you, right? You can't live your life for me. We need to live. And finally, What? What? What does this mean for us? Well, you know, it's so interesting when you look at Mary's response to Jesus. Why'd you do this to us? Didn't you know you caused us all this distress? There's just this lack of understanding why God would do something like that. Why would God make my life so miserable? Why would God do this certain thing? Why would God not allow me to get this or that? Why would life be so very difficult? I don't understand. What's going on? Nobody here ever says that, right? Remember, I spend time with you. You shouldn't lie in church. You shouldn't lie outside of church either. Okay. June Hunt writes this really interesting little book. And she talks in there about God actually has a purpose through our, you can't see the title back there, but it's a book called Trials. Can I just read a little bit to you? And again, when I'm asking permission, you know I'm going to do it whether you give me permission or not. <laughs> Trials are experienced by everyone. Second Timothy says this, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Trials have a divine purpose. Not only so, Romans 5 says, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces per- perseverance. Perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Trials last only for a while. 2 Corinthians 4 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Trials are controlled by God. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Trials come with God's grace for endurance. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12. And finally, 2 Corinthians twelve ten, Trials strengthen you in your weakness. I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And she speaks a lot in here about God's refining fire. What if you knew that in this situation, what's going on here? God is refining me. God's turning up the heat so that He can make me more and more look like His Son, right? Romans chapter 8, 28, 29. God works all things together for good so that we might be conformed to the image of his son. If you were one who was working with silver or gold and you were refining it, when you look into it, what do you expect to see? Yourself. What would happen if Jesus, through the refining, through the distress, through the hardship, was doing what he could so he could wipe off the dross, wipe off, wipe off all those times when I want to be king? So that when he looks into us through the struggles, he might more clearly see himself. I have been crucified with Christ, and now I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. Does this make any sense? Isn't it awesome? What do we know? We know Jesus came perfectly, the Son of God, to fulfill the purpose that God the Father had for him, even for people who don't understand. So what difference does that make? It means that Jesus came in that Passover celebration, foreshadowing how he would come one day to be the Passover lamb, so he could suffer and die for us, so that we would be right with God. And you are. So we can now have a new perspective as we look at all the stuff that happens in life. Seeing it through the lens of Jesus. Amen.